This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo, who have been working feverishly on the top 150 draft prospects list. Uh, We put out the top 100 draft prospects list back in December. We are expanding that to 150 and reshuffling the board as we're recording. It's not out yet. So depending on when you listen to this podcast, may or may not be up on the site yet, but it will be soon if you're, uh, I guess, listening to this on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday before the list comes out, uh, Thursday night. Um, and then into Friday. Um, so we're going to dig into that a little bit, preview what you'll see on that list. Jim and Jonathan are going to, they're going to make their own picks for the top 10 selections of the draft, how they think it should go as of right now. They're doing it blind. They were not allowed to see each other's picks. It'll, it'll be a, it'll be a surprise when I reveal to them what their picks are. I think you might be, I think you might be a little surprised. Um, cool. Yeah. How did you build that? That's how we. Th- that's how we would line up the players. That's how we think they're going to get picked. Well, how did you? How did you? I just your... lined up the players based on talent. Yeah, I mean, you're you're not trying to guess who's getting. It's not a mock. Not a mock. And, and not what order they're getting picked in or anything. We can say that a thousand times, and it'll still be it's... on Twitter. <clears throat> Callus Mayo make mock draft picks for top ten. So it's how you would. It's how you would make the selections, right? If yep. money was no object, yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we are also going to look at the prospect team of the week, highlight a couple players from that, and going to look ahead to this week's uh, minor league free game of the day slate and our prospect game of the month. Uh, Sam Dykstra, I, be- I believe he's on a plane right now as we record this on his way to Amarillo for our pipeline game of the month. We'll preview that and we'll wrap up with a question from the mailbag. All right. I'm kind of disappointed, Jonathan. I was waiting for you to break into Amarillo by Morning by George Strait, since you're the resident singer on the podcast. uh, I'm not familiar with that tune. Ah, Very famous George Strait song. I I did not know you had that in your your arsenal, Jim. Yeah, well, it's like, it's funny. When I met my wife many years ago, because I'm old, um, she listened to country music um, at the time. So I have like early 90s country music. Like I, it's not like I've kept up with it, but like I, I that's a solid re- Jeopardy category for you. And I think I think that one was actually before early '90s, but it, it's it's famous. So, oh. Jonathan, and you, I'll send you the lyrics, and you can close I'll, uh, the show. I'll learn it for for next <laughs> next time. week. Okay. My my son likes country music, which I don't really understand. Um, but it's all like you know more current country music, and I I, I haven't retained any of it, even in long car rides that he forces me to listen to it. All right, let's get into the draft. Okay. Top 150. Uh, What we want to do first is we want to talk about some guys who are making big jumps. Uh, A couple different sort of subcategories here, guys who are uh, we're already on the top 100 list and are making big jumps up the list, and guys who are not on the list uh, when it was uh, put out in December and are now debuting uh, on the top 150 and the guys who are kind of debuting highest uh, in that regard. So let's start off with uh, so a couple guys who were already on the list, but have made big jumps. Who are they and what's behind these big jumps? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think the guy who sort of excites me the most, and maybe there's a little familiarity bias because I saw him at uh, the National High School Invitational not long ago, but that's Ralphie Velasquez from Huntington Beach. Uh, same high school as Nick Prado and Hagen Danner, for those of you uh, who remember uh, both of them. Uh, obviously, big uh, Nick Prado spent considerable time in the big leagues, but uh, Velasquez you know, was close to making our top 100, but just missed. You know, he didn't, he didn't do a 
ton over the summer. Uh, he he was he wasn't invited to PDP League, which was something that he clearly uh, used as motivation during NHSI. So he didn't get a chance to play for you know the eighteen hundred USA team. Uh, and then there were some questions about his position, and those questions still exist a little bit. Although I think there are enough people who think he can catch, or at least give him the chance to try to catch. Um, and what's really driving him up is his bat. A left-handed hitter. He's got a really good approach. He doesn't try to do too much. Uh, he's got a chance to hit for, for power. Uh, you know, so he is a guy who really stands out. And I'm realizing I started, did I flip the script? I'm starting with a guy who wasn't on the top 100. You did flip the script. Yeah, I did. Okay, Sorry. That's fine. Then I will um, speak after you. Why don't you speak after me? And I apologize for not following your uh, your rules there. Everyone thrown off. Yes. Um, I got all the way through that. I'm like, wait, I'm not supposed to talk about him yet. But we'll get to the other guy in, in, in a little bit. Uh, Jim, you have a guy from from your neck of the draft who also was not on the top 100, who who made a, a, a very large jump. And I'll just finish with Ralph A. Velasquez. He's gone from not being in the top 100 to a guy who is very much coming up in first-round conversations. Yeah, my, my guy is kind of hard to rank because he's missed the last two weeks. But it, it's Vanderbilt left-hander Hunter Owen, who I almost ranked in the in the preseason. Like, I was very close. I should just listen to my gut. Guys were talking about how he was on the rise. He'd, he'd never started at Vanderbilt. He pitched in relief for two years. It was unclear he was going to join their rotation. And then when he did this year, I think he's still – like, there are not a lot of high-profile – Slam! I don't think there's any slam dunk first round college lefty starters in this draft. I do think Hunter Owens the best of the college lefty starters, but he he hasn't made his last two starts with a tired arm, and he missed the final two months of last season with an ailment that was never really identified. So <laughs> that that that's a concern, I think. Um, but when he pitched, he was pitching really well. He was 92 to 94, touching 97 with a flat approach angle, plenty of carry. He's, he throws his curveball more than this slider. Scouts like the slider more. It's got power and misses a lot of bats. It's a plus slider. He's got some aptitude for mid-80s changeup with some sink. He's huge. He's 6'6", 261. The delivery's good. He throws strikes. Um, so if you add it all up, I mean, he's big. He's strong. He's efficient. He should be durable, but he hasn't been. So anyway, it was interesting. He, I, I think if he didn't have these physical questions – he would be a first round pick just because we're going to have college pitchers taken the first round. I think there's four guys who are clearly going in the first round and probably a fifth. And after that, it's wide open. And I think Hunter Owens, the next best guy. So he, but like I said, he's kind of, the status is clouded right now. And I think if he comes back and pitches like he was before, he might move even further up the list. And if he doesn't answer these physical questions, he might slide down the list when we do the top 200. So like Hunter Owen, very intriguing. To me, I think he's clearly the best college lefty starter, but he uh, is just kind of hard to figure out right now. All right. Now, Jonathan, the topic that you refused to discuss <laughs> previously. All right. If I'm forced, uh, the, the guy who's making the biggest leap who was on the top 100 is George Lombard Jr., uh, his dad played in the big leagues for uh, a long time and, and played professionally for 16 years. The junior Lombard was a guy who was really interesting, a lot of tools, but some question marks after his uh, trip around the summer showcase circuit. He has answered a lot of those questions. He's 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 big. He's one of these guys that kind of stands out because he, he, he looks like a a man already, and, and, you know, he's six foot three, he's strong. You know, it's sort of interesting to see him start using his tools more consistently. There were some swing and miss concerns. He's answered some of those questions. <clears throat> there was some question, well, will he stay at shortstop? He's kind of answered those questions. And there are some really interesting high school shortstops. And, and Lombard's from, from Florida. Adrian Santana is another guy who's like really interesting, uh, you know, probably a better shortstop. But Lombard has more. Uh, future impact with the bat. And I think that's why Lombard has kind of moved up as far as, as he has, because now you're looking at a, a really toolsy guy who can play short, 
and, and potentially hit with some power. And that's why he, he's made the, the jump that he has. And the, the other guy who made a, a huge jump is who was on the list in, in December is also my guy. And it's Steven Echeverria. He's a, you know, high school arm from New Jersey. And sometimes, I mean, I, this is not a, an infrequent thing. A, a Northeast high school pitcher takes a jump forward. He was a guy who sort of was known for like a really good feel for pitching. And he came out of the gate this spring throwing harder with the same command, which is why uh, he has made a, a fairly sizable leap up the list. Okay. And that's, uh, let's hit the other end of the spectrum. Uh, who are the highest ranked guys from the top 100 who have now fallen off the list and why? Well, I, th- I think the, the guy, you have the number one guy here, Jonathan. I think we kind of alternate these, but you, the top guy, I believe, is you're edging one of my guys by two spots on the original top 100. Is that right? I'm looking at the, at the list now. Jonathan stumped. I am refuses to discuss the Google doc. The Google Google doc is not sorted (laughs) easily to digest. (laughs) I've gotten myself confused. Um, What have you done to this Google doc? I didn't didn't do do anything. anything. It's in disarray. Um, Yeah. So I think that the, the guy who has made the, the furthest fall off of the list entirely is Gavin Grahovic. Um, He's a, he is an interesting high school bat from California. Uh, there are some questions about uh, what position he can play. Uh, you know, there's some thought, well, maybe he can catch or that's his best position, but he hasn't really caught this spring. My understanding is he's willing to like, work out for teams behind the plate. There's definitely some, some strength and some power, uh, but there's also a lot of swing and miss. So I think, Scouts aren't exactly sure what uh, what to do with him, uh, and you know we when we do this list, we obviously we're doing it based on talent and not about signability. But Jim, I think you and I were talking about this probably was yesterday when we were kind of putting together the top one hundred and fifty final, you know, the final order. It's hard for scouts to separate that out entirely uh, because. Certain, you know, certain national guys or cross checkers won't see a guy because he's not signable at X spot. I don't know if Grahovic's one of those guys, but I think it comes into play that if he doesn't go at a certain point, he may he may go on to school. And so that that enters into the thought processes, I think, of scouts because they have to worry about it, even if we're not, you know, for really mindfully trying not to think about it when we construct this list. Yeah, because if you're an area guy, I mean, a lot of those guys have huge areas. And if there's a kid you don't think is going to be signable, you're not going to go back and do multiple looks. And if you really believe he's not going to be signable, you don't want to, you know, your cross checker probably saw, you know, Grohovac, if we're going to use him as an example, on the summer circuit last year. So you're not necessarily going to, and I'm not saying guys aren't having cross check, but you're not going to waste the, the higher level scouts time if you don't think the guy's going to sign. Like we brought it up with Cooper Pratt, who's a personal favorite of mine who's a high school shortstop from Mississippi. And yeah, I think he's been fine this spring, but I think people are increasingly convinced that he's going to be really difficult to sign away from, from Mississippi. And like, he hasn't taken a step forward. He's not playing great competition. And so I think that was the context we were talking about. He he was one guy who came up where guys are, are maybe cooling on Cooper Pratt a little bit and it's not really his fault. And he's not even really that much of a different player. Um, I'm just going to stick with Vanderbilt, guys. Uh, I, <laughs> I have a p- Vanderbilt pitcher is my highest guy from the original list, Patrick Riley, who's number 77 on the on the top 100 right now at, at Vanderbilt. And he, he's dropped off the list, and and he's one who's tough for scouts to figure out because in in, in terms of pure stuff, I mean, it's 93, 98 with with run and plane. His mid 80 slider could be a plus pitch. Um, his his changeup has some fade, but he has a quick arm with effort in his delivery. He doesn't keep his mechanics in sync very well. He's always walked a lot of guys, including in the Cape Cod League. And they kind of quick hooked him this year at Vanderbilt. He made two starts at the beginning of the year against Central Arkansas and Austin P. And he gave up six runs in four and two thirds innings. And then he's kind of relegated to the bullpen and didn't pitch a whole lot. Um came back two weeks ago and threw four scoreless innings against South Carolina. And people were wondering, Hey, I wonder if he's on the uptick. And then he went inning in two thirds. He got knocked around by Tennessee this last weekend. So he, he kind of fits in that, that bucket of players of pitchers who have really good arms, 
I haven't quite harnessed it. I, I think that, that I, he's still probably going to go decently in the draft because I think the feeling is, is that when you get him into pro ball and you get him on normal routine and he's maybe not looking over his shoulder about, you know, am I going to get pulled or what's my role? And there's a little more stability that, that maybe you could get him to be more consistent. But right now he's kind of a conundrum for scouts because he hasn't pitched well for most of the year. And it's hard to see him because you don't know if or when he's going to pitch and you're not going to go sit on Vanderbilt for three days, you know, to, to see a guy who, who may or may not come out of the pen. For, you know, fortunately, they have other players at the SEC and they're playing other good teams, but he has not been particularly easy to see this spring. I think that's a really interesting point in a general sense when people, you know, digest the list and guys who have moved up and down because I feel like there's, I mean, this always happens, but there are a good number of these college arms with really good stuff, but either like, inconsistent performance but also that looking over your shoulder uh i felt like that was the case for the entire florida state pitching staff because they have a really short leash there it's been a rough year for florida state but in general like because these teams you know have to win or expect to win uh they have these different philosophies uh their guys will go pretty good as you said like like riley will because of that stuff even if it's been this either inconsistent performance or inconsistent looks because of a, of a coaching philosophy. All right. That is a look at the risers and fallers in the top 150 draft prospects list, which is coming your way this week on MLB.com slash pipeline. Keep it a, an eye out for that. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, Jim and Jonathan are going to make the first 10 picks of the draft. They've already done it. We're going to reveal their picks and they are going to be astonished at, uh, at learning about uh, each other's picks and who they've chosen. That's coming up next on the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. We're talking 2023 draft class, the top 150 draft prospects list uh, coming your way this week. And uh, we've talked about some guys rising and falling on that list, but now we want to concentrate on the top of the list. Uh, we're not going to reveal the top of the list just yet, but Jim and Jonathan have made their picks as they would select the top 10 as of right now, just based on talent alone. Um, and then we'll see how we'll see how this shakes out uh, when the actual list comes out. But uh, they have not seen each other's picks and we will go down the list and I will reveal those now. Uh, I will tell you before we get started that your first two picks are in fact the same, mm-hmm. but that's it. Excellent. No other same picks. So uh, your number one overall, both of you, is Dylan Cruz, the uh, reigning number one uh, prospect on the top 100 draft prospects list. And he's followed by his teammate, Paul Skeens, at number two for both of you. And, you know, I think this is a very interesting discussion uh, as to who is number one here. And you, you both have crews. Um, I know there have been some rave reports that you've been hearing about Skeens, uh, comparing him to some of the best college draft pitching prospects ever. And uh, I think 
that that uh, speaks to how highly scouts must think of Dylan Cruz if you guys both have him one. Who would you have number one on your list, Jason? Well, I mean, you you guys know I love schemes, but uh, I I understand the uh, the pitcher versus position player. Um, but to me, when you know Jim, when you're when you were telling us about some of the things that that you've heard some scouts say about Skeens and comparing him to Strasburg and Cole, um, you know, and you're not hearing that that same sort of level of excitement about Cruz. It doesn't sound like. Um, um, I don't know that that part's true. I mean, I don't think people are saying Cruz is the best, you know, <laughs> college inning prospect of all time, but. You know, I think some of it's a philosophical argument. And when you talk to people in baseball, you people are just like, like you're saying, Skeens, you know, best pitcher since Strasburg or Cole. You know, he's having a crazy year. Like I was just looking at his stats on on Synergy yesterday. He's got a 36% swing and miss rate on his fastball. (laughs) Not a breaking ball, fastball. And the slider, oh, that swing and miss rate is 66%. And it's not just guys chasing out the strike zone because he lands those pitches for strikes too. And, you know, it's athletic and all that, you know, but, but there is volatility and risk with pitchers because they tend to get hurt. Um, And then Cruz, I mean, he may not be as recently historic as Skeens, but it's probably 70 hitter on the 2080 scale with at least 60 power and you could probably go more if you, you know, cause he's going to get to pretty much all he has cause he's such a good hitter and he's running better. And I think guys, I don't think he's a slam dunk lock center fielder, but I think guys feel like, yeah, he's a center fielder too. Um, and you know, and it's funny cause a couple of years ago in, in 2020, you know, Spencer Torkelson was regarded as, Oh, like he might be the best college bat since Mark Teixeira. Um, you know, two decades earlier. And I think Cruz probably belongs in that discussion too. And he's a much better athlete with much more defensive value than Torkelson. So I think Skeens, I, I think it's easy to watch Skeens and be like, oh, he's throwing 98 or, oh God, look at that ridiculous slider. Whereas Cruz, I, I don't know if batters stand out the same way as a pitcher who's just going 98, 98, 100, 102, 87 mile hour slider, you know, shot at. Um, but I do think there's a lot of excitement about Dylan Cruz too. I, I will say, I think you could argue it either way and easily be able to defend your position. No, I, I think that's right. And, you know, for me, some of it is based on conversations, you know, that I've had, just uh, it's that philosophical. Do you go with the <clears throat> more of a certainty in the bat? You know, uh, Jim mentioned the volatility of pitching. Um, you know, I had someone mentioned to me yesterday that sometimes the industry will, there's not going to be like huge concern, but anytime a, a pitcher takes a huge step forward like that, you know, he, he does not have the schemes does not have the same track record. He was good at air force last year, but it wasn't this good. So I think there's going to be a little bit of a let's make sure we know what's under the hood here. You know, is is what he's doing this year what he's going to do going forward, or is there going to be some regression to the mean or anything like that? You know, you know, the guys that are going to go one or two get picked apart. Uh, I mean, even even Strasburg. You know, people talked about the lack of changeup, which he then of course had, but but he didn't really use much in in college. So I, that that's where I why I ended up going Cruz then Skeens just because of that like I'm going to go with a little bit more of a certainty with a bat and, and I think Dylan Cruz is going to be one of these guys that does not take very long to get to the big leagues. But Cruz has uh, has dipped below the 500 mark, guys. <laughs> I know he's down to to, to 496. OPS down to 1503. Oh, yeah, it's my goodness. Good. I mean, you know, and Skeens has. Uh, has fallen off a bit in his past few starts. He gave up four runs in his first seven starts and uh, has given up 11 over 15 innings in his past three starts. Um, All right, so your first two picks the same. Uh, Your third pick, you both took a high school outfielder, Jonathan 
Max Clark, Jim Walker Jenkins. And this is, uh, this has been an interesting conversation. Uh, you know, these two guys, uh, since last year, uh, as to they, I think they're both kind of clearly the, the top high school bats in, in the class, right? By far. Yeah. I top high school position players by far. I think in Miller's bat is pretty good too. All right. And then Jonathan has Walker Jenkins next at four. Um, but Jim, you went with a college bat here. Yeah, I went with Wyatt Langford. I mean, I, again, I think you could probably put those three guys. I, I don't know who Jonathan has at five, so maybe it's going to He has. I have Wyatt Langford. He has oh, okay. Wyatt Langford. Yeah, I was going to say, I think you could put those three guys again in in whatever order you want. I mean, I, I do think the consensus is Walker Jenkins was hurt last year, and so we didn't get to see him at his best, and then he was eventually sidelined. I, I have both him and Clark in my area. You know, talking to national guys, they prefer Jenkins. Like, it's one of those, I think if we surveyed 30 teams, Jenkins might win three-quarters of the votes, but if you were putting grades on them, they would be neck and neck, if that makes sense. Um, You know, I I just think Jenkins is slightly ahead for the majority of teams, I guess is the way I'm putting it. And I, I think they're comparable hitters. I think Jenkins has significantly more power, at least to grade better. And while Clark is a better runner, uh, better athlete Jenkins is running better this spring and mm-hmm. I think there's uh, Clark's definitely a center fielder Jenkins might be a center fielder and if he's not a center fielder he'll fit the right field profile with a strong arm but um and then you know Langford it's just you want the guy who's proven it at the college level but he's more of a I think he's probably a left fielder when all is said and done like I think he has less defensive value but you have a better read on his bat because he's performed at a very high level in in college so that was that was my rationale for the order i yeah went with them in although you know with langford he's another guy who taken a huge step forward and didn't play as a freshman so there's not as much track record you know you know again nitpicking um i've heard the same things about walker jenkins you know he's in north carolina when i was at usa baseball for nhsi people were unsolicited coming up and telling me how great he's looked and, and they, they, they call him captain america too yeah because of the they, makeup they love him. Yes, the ability, the, you know, the fact that he's been showing better run times and playing a good center field uh, certainly has moved him up, you know, sort of into that that conversation. Heck, probably maybe into the conversation for number one overall pick. Uh, I ended up picking Max Clark just because of the ceiling. You know, uh, you know, I, I I have had multiple national scouts say that they think he's the one guy who has the 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 chance to be like a true the the best chance to be a true true superstar um just because the tools are so loud and you, you know <laughs> Walker Jenkins is great I'd happily take him 3 one thing to consider is that Walker Jenkins had played a whole bunch of baseball before Max Clark set foot on a on a baseball field cuz he's in Indiana um and you know so sometimes that plays into you know what scouts are saying I, I think you can't go wrong with either and I really wish Florida had let Wyatt Langford play center field this year. I know they have a center fielder, but I think people are hoping to see what that would look like. A team that takes him, I think, could very well send him out in center and, and, and see how that plays. Okay, so your first five picks, you have all the same players, first two in the same order, uh, three, four, five, same players, but mixed up. Uh, your sixth pick, Jonathan took Jacob Wilson and Jim took Chase Dolander and uh, given away the, the next pick, you know, Jonathan wasn't far off with Jacob Wilson, had him seven. I'm sorry, uh, Jim Jim yeah. had Jacob Wilson at, at seven. Um, Jonathan, you have Chase Dolander down at number nine, so a, a little disparity there. Yeah, I, uh, you know, with, with Jacob Wilson, he's definitely the sort of, I don't call him the safe pick. People aren't like blown away and, you know, Jim, I don't know, you know, if you talk, he's in my area. So I talked to a lot of people about him and he's like, oh, he's going to be a big leaguer and he's going to be a big leaguer in a hurry. But is he going to be an impact guy that you're going to take him, you know, very near top? The guy just doesn't strike out. Uh, He hits, there's power. He's a no doubt shortstop. Uh, So I I think that for, for me, I decided to go sort of, with the 
super, super, super high floor. I'm trying like, I, I don't want to undersell Jacob Wilson because I think he's going to be a really good big leaguer. Uh, but I went safer before then going into the, uh, a little bit into the wildness of the high risk, high reward picks uh, over the next two, but I won't give them away just yet. Yeah, no, I, I think you described Wilson well. Um, you know, you know, he's going to hit, you know, exactly how much power does he have? He can play shortstop. Do you have a better shortstop at the big league level? I mean, it's such a high baseball IQ. You know, his dad played in the big leagues. He's going to acclimate to pro ball so quickly. And he's got one of the, the highest floors in this draft. Um, shoot, he, he might have the second highest floor in the draft, just off the top of my head, behind Cruz. Um, so, like, he, and he's going to go good. Um, I, I went Dolander ahead of him. I mean, you know, talking to guys about Dolander, who he had the best pitching prospect since, since Cole and Strasburg stamp coming into the year. And he had a great sophomore year. He's just been inconsistent this year. You still see the good stuff, but it seems like he has an inning where he falters and he gives up a couple runs. He, I don't think the command's been as sharp. I don't think the stuff's been quite as consistent. But, I mean, you're still talking about a guy who had multiple pitches and, and plus command and he's athletic and the delivery's good and track record performing in the SEC. Tennessee's been kind of oddly dysfunctional this year after everything went right for them last year, you know, up until the super regionals and the team's been in a little bit of disarray and, and up and down. Um, although they, they just swept Vanderbilt this last weekend, I think after getting swept the weekend before, um, and I just, that, that team just has not gelled. And I think, I, I don't think Chase Dolander is worrying about a quick hook or anything. He, he did pitch on Sunday. They've really shaken up the rotation. He pitched on Sunday this week. Um, I, I think somebody, I, I'll put it this way. I, to me, there's a consensus top six. And I think Jacob Wilson is like the clear number seven. But, but those first six guys on my list, I think, are the six best guys in the draft. And I think the teams at seven to ten, when I talk to them, they always ask me, "You think Dolander could get to us?" I hear he's mm-hmm. sliding, um, and so th- I think they're like I, I think even at six, if he goes, it, not the teams are going to draft off the order I've laid out, but if he went sixth, I might. He, he and that might be the high end right now. I think if the draft were today, that's that's probably the high end on Dolander, you know, unless you know money get involved and in, in teams messing with their pools. But I, I think Dolander's one of those guys that we could look back and say, oh, you know what? Like he didn't have the best junior year." But somebody got a steal with him. Um, so anyway, I, I I feel pretty good about having him six, and then Wilson seven, and then I feel like it's up for grabs. Yeah, you're you're right. It it is up for grabs uh, <laughs> for the two of you. Uh, here's where things start to get noticeably different. Um, to this point, everyone uh, that we've talked about uh, has been on both of your top tens. Uh, but now at number seven, uh, Jonathan has uh, a player that is not in Jim's top 10. And the rest of the way out, with the exception of Dolander, uh, they're, all, they're all guys that, that the other does not have in his top 10. So at number seven for Jonathan, he has Noble Meyer. And then at number eight, he has Thomas White. And Jim comes in with Enrique Bradfield. Yeah, I went, I went pure upside here. Um you know, when push comes to shove off the, the high school arms often, you know, slip down, although there's invariably one who sneaks, you know, into, into the top 10, uh, maybe two. And right now, Noble Meyer and Thomas White are considered to be the, the top high school arms. Um, Meyer is from the Pacific Northwest. I saw him at NHSI. He was dominant friend of the podcast. That's not why I put him at number seven, by the way, but just <clears throat> has a, you know, unbelievable stuff, projection and feel for pitching and understanding of the craft already that uh, belies his years. So I don't see him as risky of a high school right-hander pick as in some years because of that combination of things. And then Thomas White was a guy who, you know, was a little bit of a unicorn, didn't, didn't pitch a lot. So, uh, you know, on summer showcases in the, in the past last year, only, you know, sort of picked and, and chose, I saw him in PDP league, the stuff had always been really good. There were some questions about the delivery and the command and plus the lack of seeing him. And then this spring, he has taken a very large step forward, uh, in terms of, the, you know, the stuff is better. The command is much better. 
Um, he's a smart kid, so I think he's figured a lot of it out. And there are some people who feel that White might be the best high school pitcher, period, and he's left-handed. Um, so it wouldn't even shock me if White ended up getting taken before Noble Meyer, though there might be a little more comfort level with Noble Meyer because he has been seen more against really good competition. Jim, I'm, I'm, I have to say I'm a little surprised by your pick here, just knowing uh, your general, uh, should, I don't know if I'll, should I say disdain for, for distaste, uh, this distaste. Pro, distaste yeah. for this profile. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. I, and I'll say, <sighs> I, I, I'm not, I'm not anti-high school pitching. Like I think you should take talent, talent's talent. So I don't have a problem with <laughs> Meyer and Thomas White being in Jonathan's top 10. I don't see how you could take those guys over Chase Dolander personally, but that's just me. Um, but now with Bradfield, I go back and forth on this because, yes, my least favorite profile is the blazing speed, lack of impact uh, player because I just don't think – like physical impact. I don't feel like those guys wind up being good big leaguers very often. Like every once in a while they turn into be Juan Pierre, but – you know, a lot of times those guys, they can run and that's all they can do. And, you know, so anyway, you're right. I, I don't like that profile <laughs> at all. But, and Bradfield got off to slow start. He's come on as of late. I struggled with this because I don't think there's a clear number eight in my mind. Um, you know, I, I could have rolled the dice, I guess, on the high school pitchers perhaps or, or a high school bat we'll get to in a minute. But with Bradfield, the reason I made the exception is we're not talking 20 power. I think we're talking 40 power in terms of home runs. And if you, if you, he's, he's an 80 runner and he's hit in the sec. He's controlled the strike zone very well in the sec. So I think he's going to be an OBP guy. I don't think he's one of these guys who can run, but can't hit. I I don't think it's going to be big power. It might be like a 12 home run guy, but I think he'll have a bunch of doubles and triples because he can fly. And, the kicker for me is that he's a gold glove defender in center. He's like a 70s center fielder. Um, and he's an eight, you know, it's not like he's a 65 or 70 runner. He's an 80 runner. So let's say I'm even high on the power. Let's say he doesn't get to double digit home runs. I still think he's going to hit for average, have a good OBP, be a guy who could steal 40 or 50 bases a season and play gold glove center field. And that's a good player. So I, I don't love the profile, but you know, he, he has show he didn't show much power as a freshman. He's shown more power since I, I, you can tell just like, I, I struggled with it. Cause I don't think there's a clear number eight, but I was like, you know what? Like I'll take the gold glove center fielder who can steal 40 or 50 bases a year. And I think he'll get on base. And if he hits eight home runs a year, so be it. That's still a really good player. I, I think so. I, I went with him kind of from the floor reasoning that I went with Jacob Wilson. He gets compared to Kenny Lofton all the time, and and, to, and I'm not saying he's going to be Kenny Lofton, but Kenny Lofton is like a borderline Hall of Famer and is a really good player. Um, and I would take a guy who has a chance to be Kenny Lofton. Yeah, I'd, I'd be really curious to go back through our draft list and see if we could find somebody with a similar profile, similar grades, and and how how that player or those players have have turned out. He's got uh, aptitude, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. You know, it's not just speed. He knows how to use it very well on the base. He didn't get caught stealing at all last year. He uses it very well on the bases. He uses it very well in center field. So it's not like this guy who can run, but he doesn't know what he's doing. He can do a lot of things well. Um, I, I would bet, I guess, $25,000 since it's our standard bet. <laughs> um, although somebody would have to go do the research. I'll bet we would have a hard time finding a guy who we gave 80 speed like college player, 80 speed, 70 defense, 40 power. I think I went, what, 55 hit? Yeah. I'll, I'll bet we don't have too many of those guys in college. Like, he, we, people knew who he was. He wanted to go to Vanderbilt. I mean, he was, a, he was a big name prospect out of high school. I think people wanted to, you know, question the impact back then and now feel better about it. He was kind of like, we're not going to buy him out. You know, it's going to cost too much to buy him out. Let's let him prove it at Vanderbilt. But I, you don't see guys like that in college very often. Okay, um, we already covered Jonathan's pick at uh, number nine, which was Chase Dolander, and Jim, yours is Jacob Gonzalez. And then uh, at number 10, um, Jim, you mentioned Aiden Miller when we were talking about the best uh, bat high school bats in the class. Class, You have him at number 10. And then Jonathan, uh, a player on the rise at 
number 10, uh, where, where is he ranked in the top 100? In the 40s? I think in the 30s. <clears throat> okay. Number but 34 moving, as of right Arjun now. Namala, yep. who is move, moving up the boards, and you've got him in the top 10 here. Yeah, again, I, I kind of I decided to to go a little off the board uh, with an upside play, kind of co- combining uh, you know what the buzz is that we're hearing from the from the industry, uh, along with really liking the player. You know, I saw him over the summer; he he didn't have a great summer overall, but uh, you know, this is a guy who uh, plays a premium position and is going to play shortstop for a long time, and that's why I picked him over uh someone like Aiden Miller um you know it, he's got a chance to have an impact with the bat he runs well he plays with high energy and I think that the the fact that he is a, a no doubt shortstop to me with great actions a good arm plenty of range that's <clears throat> that's why I decided to 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 kind of go in in this direction um you know as I said there are some very intriguing high school shortstops in this draft and his name just keeps kind of moving moving up in in first round conversations and then jim tell us a little bit about aiden miller i don't get to talk about jacob gonzalez oh yeah know. well i guess you have two picks here yeah yeah that's right poor jacob Gonzalez. i was just sad i, I did str- talk about him quite a bit last week but go ahead yeah, yeah i struggle with all these guys and i think i mentioned this last week you know gonzalez from a pure tools standpoint i mean he's, he doesn't run great it's it's not classic shortstop tools yeah you guys i think i think there's some concern he's, he's not a shortstop at the next level but the guy's performed for three years. He has good instincts to help him make plays at shortstop. So that was kind of a – I'm giving him credit. Like, I, I don't know if he's a shortstop, but the guy's played at a high level. He controls the strike zone. He's part of a national championship team at Ole Miss. Um, you know, if he's not a shortstop, he's an offensive second baseman or third baseman. But, but I mean, I have a hard time figuring him out. And just talking to teams that pick again at the top of the draft who don't – you know, in that kind of 7 to 12 range – there's teams who are like, man, we'd love a shot at Gonzalez. And there's teams who are like, ah, like, I don't know if he's in the top 15. So you kind of get a little variety of opinions on him. And then with Miller, you know, you, I, I think we were talking, Jonathan, about guys who were out of sight, out of mind a little bit earlier. I feel like Miller gets penalized because he, he he's in your part of the country, Jonathan, Florida. He broke his handmate. Is that right, I think? Um, Aiden Miller, yeah. Yeah, at the beginning of the season, so he hasn't played a whole lot. But I would submit that that really shouldn't matter because Aiden Miller was probably the best hitter on the showcase circuit last summer. You know, Max Clark was okay. Jenkins was hurt, but Aiden Miller, what, what was he? MVP of the high school America game. He won the high school home run derby. He hit kind of everywhere he went. And I'm just betting on the bat there. Like, like, I mean, he faced better competition. I mean, he is in Florida, so it's, it's better competition than some parts of the country, but he still, he faced the best pitching he's going to see mostly on the showcase circuit, and he ate it up last summer. So I don't care about the handmade injury. Like, I mean, that's a short-term thing. Like, no, nobody's ever had their career derailed because they broke their handmate. So to me, I like Aiden Miller. I'm betting on the bat. Um, I'd be happy if I were a team, if he falls a little bit because guys didn't get to see him, and I'd just be like, what did you need to see? The guy raked all summer. Um, so I, I, I like Aiden Miller. Um, I, I like your Namala pick, though, too. I, I think Namala is definitely a guy on the rise who if he goes in the top 10 picks it wouldn't if he went it wouldn't surprise me where he went because it seems like everybody's talking about namala how impressive he's been this spring all right that's a good look at the uh top of this year's draft class as it stands now uh we're going to take a break and when we come back we are going to look at the prospect team of the week and this week's milb free game of the day slate and answer a question from the mailbag. That's all coming up after this on the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Jim Callis, Jonathan Mayo, I'm Jason Ratliff, and we are going to look at some guys who had huge weeks in the minors last week. Our prospect team of the week is out, and it looks like this. Quickly, catcher Matthew Wood of the Brewers organization, first baseman Dalton Rushing is the first of three Dodgers on this list, followed by second baseman Jorbert Vivas. Uh, third base is Colt Keith of the Tigers. Shortstop, Jackson Holiday. You may have heard of him, of the Orioles. Outfield, Joey Loperfito of the Astros. Johnny DeLuca of the Dodgers. Wilford Veras of the White Sox. And then we have Bryson Motts for the Cardinals as the left-handed pitcher. Gavin Williams uh, of the Guardians as the right-handed pitcher. And Francisco Morales of the Phillies is the relief pitcher. Some interesting names there. I think three top 100 prospects on that list in rushing Holiday and Williams. Um, Holiday, uh, shortly after being named to the prospect team of the week, got bumped up a level. Um, and then Gavin Williams, we're just hearing some chatter. Maybe get to see him in the big leagues soon. Um, Jim Jackson Holiday, uh, this is this is no surprise to anyone. I mean, the, the kid's raking. Uh, you guys had him on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Talked to him. Um, you know, he, he was at this level. Uh, you guys talked about how I think it was what three games? Did he play three games last year? But he said just getting that little taste helped, and and he was not long for uh, this level this year. And now he's going to be what the youngest player at high A now. Yeah, that's correct. He actually played 12 games in, in low A oh, last year, and, and he lasted all of 13 uh, this year. Um, but yeah, no, it's – I'll stand – as good as Gunnar Henderson is, I think Jackson Holiday might wind up being better, which is really, really saying something. I mean, there's a reason he was the number one overall pick in last year's draft. You know, he hit 10 for 22 last week. Uh, you know, I, th- I think in an interview he attributed the big week to being on the podcast and – Helped focus him for <laughs> for the the season uh, ahead, um, but no ten for twenty two. He hit two home runs, and I I'm struggling. Twitter's not loading. I know we MLB Pipeline had tweeted out the home runs. I, you know, he had two home runs in the same games. First two home runs of the season. I think they were both opposite field. And honestly, the first one he hit, I thought it was like okay, that looks like he you know got under a little bit. Yeah. Routine fly ball to left. <laughs> it kept going and going and going. And you know, I, I guess if we have to. If we had to characterize him one way or the other, I guess I would characterize him as hit over power. Um, although I think it's pretty close. But I will say when I saw those highlights, I was like, I mean, I know he has power. But I was like, man, he has even more power than I realized. Like it just looked like a routine fly ball that that didn't stop. But um, I'll be curious. Like I, I, I'm not saying he's going to hit 392 or whatever he's hitting in hitting low A and high A. But you know, he continues to walk more than he strikes out, despite being exceptionally young for his leagues. He's done that at all three of his stops in his brief career so far. I think this guy's just going to keep raking. And I'll be very curious. I mean, he did this so quick. Is he going to push his way to double A by the end of the year? I, I wouldn't rule it out. I think so. Yeah. Man, that is, I mean, you talk about him, um, comparing him to Gunnar Henderson. I mean, look at that farm system. Like, Adley, number one overall prospect in 2021. Gunner, number one entering this year. You know, not at all a stretch to think that that uh, Holiday could or will end up in that spot at some point soon. Could be uh, mid-May because we're gonna have we're gonna have to re- we, we're doing our first. I don't know if we unofficially or officially call the market corrections, but almost the I think the first five guys on the list right now are all going to graduate. I believe, oh, except for maybe Andrew Painter who hasn't pitched yet. He might be the number one prospect in baseball in three weeks at this yeah. rate. And then you had the, you know, maybe the top pitching prospect in baseball over the course of the past couple of years in Grayson Rodriguez. I mean, just some elite, elite talent in that farm system. Uh, so, Jonathan, uh, interesting situation kind of brewing with the Guardians in terms of uh, their pitching staff and some some – Top prospects, one who was on the prospect team of the week last week and one who was on it this week who we could be seeing in the big leagues. Yeah, I'll start with the one from this week. That's Gavin Williams. Uh, 
you know, who it was a little surprising. And the other that you're referring to is uh, another friend of the pod and one of my favorite pitching prospects, Tanner Bybee. Um, you know, Bybee went up to AAA to start the year and Williams started in, in, in AA. I, I think at the very least, Gavin Williams needs to be moved up from, from AA. Um, there's talk, you know, in Cleveland, they, they have having some rotation issues uh, and, and sort of planning things out. So we might see Bybee, uh, we might see Gavin Williams, and it may just be for a start for now. Um, Williams is coming off a week where he uh, threw five no-hit innings and struck out eight, uh, walking just one. This shouldn't be really too surprising um, for, for anyone given – how he's pitched. The only thing that you, you sort of pause is one, he's in double A. He's made just three starts, uh, you know, bringing him along slowly here in, in April, but he's been, you know, he's given up one run in 14 and a third innings and he struck out 20 while walking only three. So he has been absolutely dominant. And so if say they bring him up to make a, you know, a one-off start, I would not send him back to, to Akron. I would, I would bump him up to triple A where maybe he'll be, with Tanner Bybee for a little while, but I think you're going to see both of them make impacts as needed in the big leagues this year for more than just one start. And uh, one one other note on this week's prospect team of the week, three Dodgers on there. Uh, they're inching up on the Astros for most uh, ever appearances by a, a team on the prospect team of the week. Since we started doing it in 2015, the, uh, Astros have had the most players, and I think we we mentioned last week that uh, Kyle Tucker has the most individual appearances ever. Uh, but the the Dodgers creeping up on on the Astros would not be surprised to to see them potentially overtake them at some point this year as, as much talent as they have in that system currently. Uh, all right, let's talk about uh, this week. Can I, can I do a quick quiz for one second? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm looking, and you probably already know the answer. So if you do, oh, Jonathan, who, who has the fewest PTAL appearances by any organization since we started doing it? Jonathan, mm-hmm. do you know? Do you know, Jason? Were you looking at the chart? No, I I didn't look at the. Uh, okay. I did not look at the bottom um, of the list. The Chicago White Sox. I was that, I incorrect. Was say maybe the maybe the Giants. They're both like in the bottom ten. Okay. The White Sox have 47. Angels. The Giants have 43. The Washington Nationals, mm. with 33 uh, P-Tal mentions, are the lowest ranked team. Why'd you have to bring us down like that, Joe? I'm sorry. I just I, I was curious when you were talking about the most who had the who had the least, and it it, it made me it made me curious. All right. Uh, I don't. We haven't talked about this too much uh, on the podcast, but the fact that you can watch so much minor league baseball now. It's uh, awesome. It's, it's really, really is easier than ever uh, to watch minor league baseball this year. Um, if you are an MLB.TV subscriber, um, which I would say if you're listening to our podcast, there's a pretty good chance you are. Uh, you can now watch your favorite team's affiliates for no additional charge. Um, and if you haven't done this, you should. Uh, you go to MLB.tv, you'll see your affiliates, your your wh- whatever team you have as your selected as your favorite. You'll see those affiliates games appear in a carousel uh, on MLB.tv, and you can you can watch uh, every available game. There there are a handful of teams that still don't have broadcasts, uh, but I think it's it's uh, that number is dwindling. It's down around getting close to single digits, but you can watch almost every single minor league team at this point. And uh, we've continued doing our uh, free game of the day where we, we pick out, uh, you know, the best games of the week, uh, try to focus on some high end prospects, try to get some good pitching matchups. And this week's slate, uh, we have the Tulsa drillers at the Arkansas travelers. So Dodgers and Mariners affiliates and have a nice uh, matchup there with Diego Cartaya and Andy Pais of uh, the Dodgers Facing Bryce Bryce Miller, who's starting for Arkansas. Uh, that's Tuesday's game. Wednesday, Hudson Valley in Greenville. Marcelo Meyer. Uh, so you got a little Yankees Red Sox action there. Wednesday, Frisco. Oh wait, Thursday. Sorry, Thursday, Frisco and Amarillo. And this one is our pipeline game of the month. Uh, something we started 
last year where uh, one of our guys uh, so far, I think, uh, Jim, you have not you have not done this, but uh, Jonathan and Sam have hit the road, uh, gone to uh, gone out and and joined the broadcast and generated a, a lot of great content from these games. And Sam uh, mentioned earlier was on a plane on his way to Amarillo. And Jonathan, uh, I believe you've been instructed to learn a song which you've not done yet. In- I'll have it ready for next week. Yeah. A little after the fact, but it will celebrate the 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 game of uh, the game of the month with yeah. my my tune. That one's uh, th- that game's a doozy. Evan Carter, uh, Luis Angel Acuna, uh, Owen White, and Jack Leiter both on that Frisco team. I don't think either of them is starting on Thursday. Jordan Lawler on the other side for Amarillo. Then we have Friday: Memphis, Durham, Mason Wynn, uh, Curtis Mead, Kyle Manzardo off to a huge start. Uh, we might see Gordon Graceffo on the mound. Uh, Saturday it's Ellie time. Ellie De La Cruz who just. Uh, Got underway, uh, got his season underway last week. So quickly wanted to get him on the docket as Louisville faces Iowa. So we have a nice matchup of Ellie De La Cruz and Brennan Davis there. And then on Sunday, Great Lakes at Fort Wayne, Dalton Rushing and Jackson Merrill, a couple of top 100 prospects there. So uh, keep your eyes on M- MLB.tv for those games. And those games also uh, are, you know, we put those out, uh, promote those on the MLB Pipeline Twitter account. You can see those games on MLB.com slash pipeline and on the uh, club sites. We we get them out there all over the place. So uh, make sure you're keeping an eye out for those things. Uh, all right, let's move on to the mailbag and wrap this up with a question from Sports Watcher. Um, that's pretty general. The uh, Twitter handle is 2000s Sports says with Zach Neto reaching the majors within one year of being drafted, which position players in the 2023 draft class have the best chance to have a some similar tra- trajectory? Great question from sports watcher. Your answers, gentlemen, let's have well, equally excellent answers for this excellent question. No promises. I mean, I think based on the conversation that we've been having, it, it shouldn't surprise me. And there's some great college bats at the top. Um, Jim, I mean, I think Jacob Wilson's probably as close to the top of that list. I mean, you could probably go, you know, Dylan Cruz or White Langford, obviously. But I think Wilson's approach at the plate is sort of professional at bats, uh, all that. I think he would be the guy I would put first on that list. I would put Dylan Cruz first on the list and probably put Wilson second, yeah. like you just yeah. alluded to. Like, yeah. So I'm not, uh, I'm not trashing that like I trashed your high school pitchers ahead of Chase Dolander pick. Um, I'm, I'm in accord. I, I do I want, I want to bring up maybe a little controversial. Sports watcher appears to be big Pirates guy, Pittsburgh-based. I'm almost wondering if that's like a Jonathan Burner account. Hmm. We'll have to investigate <laughs> that. Um, a little bit. He did like choose this question, didn't he? Been pot- no, yeah. I didn't know. No, Jim did. No, I Jim guess never. I did. But yeah, oh, just, like, I, I think I, th- I think we've had another one from 2000 Sports recently, and he's been popping up on my feed. So I, I feel like it, it, it possible this could be a Mayo Burner account. But but it's a good question. Like, how about if you go a little deeper than than guys we think are going in the top ten picks? Yep. I think my my next guy, like let's say outside the top ten or so, might be. Matt Shaw at Maryland. Yeah, that's exactly um, who I was looking at. See, we see I, we're, we're in each other's heads here too. He, you know, he kind of gives me a Brandon Lau vibe a little bit, Jonathan. Like I, I know there's the Terrapins connection, but Matt Shaw, like I'm wondering if he might be like a another Brandon Lau. Yeah, I mean, he has a chance to really, really hit, and he's hit with wood, uh, you know, and there's impact there. This isn't just a guy who makes a lot of a contact with metal bat. You know, like he's going to drive the ball. He's got some power. He's a second baseman, you know, at the next level. But yeah, he he fits that profile as a, as as that kind of impact bat at that position from Maryland. So the Brandon Lau comp makes a lot of sense. All right, thank you. How did our answers measure up? <laughs> uh, well, now that we now that we have a hunch that this is Jonathan's burner, I don't want to I don't want to give too much credit to the to the question. But I, yeah, I was going to thank uh, 2000 Sports for that question. But I, I guess he's right here. He's possibly right here in our midst. I can just thank him directly. You're welcome. Oh, I heard. <laughs> what? What? 
No, really. Thanks to uh, 2000 Sports for that question. Thanks to everybody for listening. That is a wrap for this week's MLB Pipeline podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening. See you next week. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.